mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for Couples Therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situationships and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, tech sex, regrets, or feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's up, up, up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. Y'all, this intro is coming to you right before the episode drops, so it's fresh. Yes. Okay? We waited way too long to (laughs) record this. This long weekend messed me up. I was like, what day is it? What's happening? I woke up with a start, convinced I had somewhere to be. Oh, I hate those. Yeah, it was just like, I've I've been off, but... But, you know, off, off, Eddie, I'm going to go off because I'm feeling off. That's me. Um, but you- uh, but yeah, but also but like, I mean, you could be uh, excused from that. You know, it's been a, a wild ride. It has uh, last couple of weeks. We've been pitching. World's been falling apart. And um, Naomi, specifically on Saturday night, you got yeah. to perform with someone who we love. At Largo. Yes, May Martin, star, creator of the show Feel Good, which you can see on Netflix that we were obsessed with. I feel like we have talked about it on the pod. But I was able to do their show. They invited me to do the show, and I was like, okay, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck <laughs> it up. We can't have May out here thinking we're trash. And so I was like really in my head about it. But it was so funny because, you know, I was doing that show at Largo, and you... I was like, are you coming to the show? And you're like, yeah, I want to. And it was funny because I was like, of course he's coming. May is, it's May's show. Because I was like, you want to meet May. We want to get in there right. and, and shake a hand. But it was just funny because I felt very, sometimes when you come with me to shows, it feels like I'm being chaperoned <laughs> by my, it's like, <laughs> my man is here just well, to make sure I'm okay. The thing is, so Largo is our favorite place. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, I think our favorite venue, period. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's owned by this guy, Flanny, who's just wonderful. And like, I'm friends with Flanny, yes, too. Yes, yes, yes. So going there is I get to hang out with Flanny. Right. I know. I know. Right? And so I think that's part of the, like, when, like, because no one else, no one else really, I mean, some people, I think Nick Kroll has brought his wife before. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. I know. So it's not like it is, uh, it's not like it's it's uh, weird or taboo or something. Right, like that, but, but it's rare. It's rare. <laughs> but it was just so funny but it's just funny because we go and it's and i'm but hey you know you know i love a ride you know i love a place to put my purse (laughs) and my emotions 
Okay, so I appreciate you. But it's just funny because I always feel like I show up and I'm like, and Andrews, here's my chaperone. My escort for the evening. Well, I'm making sure that uh, that no one talks to her. No guys <laughs> talk to her. Well, it was funny, though. So uh, yesterday, also, we were driving, and we're, like, going up this hill, uh, side road we never go down, and someone yells my name. And I hear and someone's just like, Naomi and Paragon. And I, like, look back, and I see this uh, uh, black woman, and I was like, stop. Stop the car. This is a queen. Well, I stopped because I just assume if someone's going to yell your name, they're a friend. Exactly. Also, I thought they knew me because who else yells a full government name in these streets? Turns out, total stranger. Who likes the comedy? Naomi Christine Paragon. <laughs> Christine. <laughs> like the evil Stephen King car. But then, but then it was just so funny because like, uh, she was chatting. She was chatting with us for a little bit. You know, we're in the car. And it, what I love is that then she like turns to you. She goes, "I know you from Instagram. I see you, King. That's good. Giving her a ride because she has a lot to do. And here you are, just supporting your queen." And I was like, "That is hysterical. I want all people to have that reaction when they see you driving the car." They were like, "Good for you." Did you feel that? Did you feel that love and support when she said that? <laughs> I I was just tickled pink by the entire thing. <laughs> by someone yelling your name and, and Aparna was in the back seat. Someone yes. yelling your name and then noticing Aparna and then me. And it's like, who's your chauffeur? <laughs> and then going to Aparna being like, I have the one with the umbrella. Which oh, is her, the album her, of hers her where she has her album where she has an um, she's holding an umbrella. And so it was like, wow, okay, this person's coming with us, mm-hmm. coming with a deep cut. So hey. it was a beautiful interaction. It was a gorgeous time to be alive. If you haven't bought a partner's album, go on <laughs> online. Where can you get it? Wherever you get where, I don't know, wherever you it. get albums from. Find it. A partner stand up album. It's on you. Find it. I can't help you with everything in this life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but May Martin, they're wonderful. So very wonderful, nice. so very nice. nice, so funny. Very open, ex- very extremely funny. I was V starstruck, but um, we should try to get them on uh, couples therapy. Yeah, we'll work on it. Let's start a change.org petition. <laughs> There's not enough going on in the world that needs to change. Yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, now we've got a great episode though. This oh my was an god! Episode. Talk about a little starstruck. Someone that we've seen from afar. Who we, this is like our first time really talking to them. So I've been a fan of this person for a long time, and then Naomi together as a couple. We ended up becoming a fan of theirs through their Instagram account. Cause, Absolutely. Because they make so many videos and that they're so really also funny. Make us LOL. So silly. Today we are talking with the one, the only icon, Jack Plotnick, honey. Jack is a writer. Jack is an actor. You've seen him on shows like Grace and Frankie, Reno 911. He is out here, booked, busy, blessed, with an open heart. A true sensitive soul. Yeah, we, and I didn't expect that. I didn't expect it at all. I've known Jack... I've not I've not known him at all as a person, but I mean I've known his work since right. the late nineties. He was right. on the Jenny McCarthy sketch show, which oh, is, I yeah. think I mentioned this in the in, Oh yeah, in you did. Interview. But I'm like the Jenny McCarthy sketch show, which you were just which you would think you the audience would be like, Okay, what the anti-vaxxer has a sketch show or right. whatever. But in the late nineties, it was written by Bob the Bob Odenkirk, fresh off of like <laughs> SNL, pre I think pre Mr. Show, maybe, but like written by Bob Odenkirk. John Benjamin, John Glazer, just like the luminaries of sketch comedy yeah. from the 90s all the way through now. 90s sketch weirdos who continue to dominate the scene. Yeah. Even and I, today. And I, uh, and Jack was one of the main cast members. Of yeah. It, along yeah, yeah, with yeah. John Benjamin, also like one of the members of the vacant lot. Like, I don't know what that is. It's this Canadian sketch group that cool. was like friends with the kids in the hall. You see, like, you see the vacant lot. This is what he says to me. Paul Greenberg, who and, was a guest with Dave Foley on this very show. Andy is a, I believe he is 
a vessel for comedy history. <laughs> he remembers and he can bring us back the last 30 years of comedy mm. he has in his head. I'm a young Wayne heart. Fetterman. You are a young Wayne. Another reference that only if you knew the <laughs> history of comedy would be <laughs> meaningful to you. So right, Wayne Fetterman is. was a, a very, uh, very well-known uh, stand-up and stand-up historian. Yes. Yep. And teacher. So, but that's not what it's about. It's not about Wayne Fetterman. It's about Jack Plotnick. Okay. Today we yeah. talked to Jack. Sorry, we lost the Plotnick. Oh, there it is. Well, I found him. We're going to get into it because this is a fun one. So strap in. Roll it. Jack, we're coming at you. You don't know who we are. We don't know. But you don't know. You have a special place in our hearts. That's There's true. many reasons, but uh, your videos. Uh-huh. Naomi and I watch your videos together. Yes. On uh-huh. the Instagram. Yeah, thank you. I love to hear that. <laughs> But there's so much other stuff. One, I saw a picture of you wearing a Pittsburgh shirt. I went to Pitt. You went to CMU. Oh, goodness. That what did you think of living in Pittsburgh? I thought it. it was great. I oh, was a good. big fan of it. Like, it's yeah. too small for me. Like, yeah. it's, too sm- it's too small for my it, it, yeah. <laughs> Yes. It couldn't hold all your talent. <laughs> <laughs> it was brimming over into the surrounding countryside. <laughs> But yeah. you were, uh, I'm assuming you were there in the 90s, right? Uh, sure. Very yeah. early 90s. Yes. Okay. okay. So what was what was Pittsburgh like then? Did you live near CMU? Did you live in Squirrel Hill? Where'd you live? Oh my God, are you psychic? That's crazy. I was a Squirrel Hill person. Yes. Wow. It was like the rich bratty kids lived in Shadyside. But yes. I was, I, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I loved living in Squirrel Hill. Uh, yeah, it's a cute little, cute little place, Pittsburgh. Yeah which yeah. I don't want to ever live in again. But I liked being there when I was in college. I really did. I was uh, rode a bike around. And on one time I was at I was at the top of a very steep hill and I jumped on my bike and I start going down this hill when I realized that someone has um, stolen my brake pads. <gasps> Wait, and what? yeah, it was the scariest <laughs> thing. And, I, and I'm, I'm breaking, you know, trying to break because I'm coming up to a stop sign and I just had to just go right through it. And thank God there wasn't a car there. But so that that ticked me off. But I don't think that's I don't think that's normal for Pittsburgh. And I didn't tell that story to shine a light on the crime there. But <laughs> it just popped into my head. And this is a podcast. That is a terrifying. But also the way I imagine it, because the way you describe Pittsburgh, Andy, you always say it's like a real DIY culture and like, you know, you guys made music and did basement shows and stuff. I was in the music scene in Pittsburgh and I'm curious oh. how different that is from, I'm assuming, the theater scene. Did you go to Carnegie Mellon? Carnegie I did. Mellon, as they say. <laughs> Please pronounce theater. it correctly or we get very upset. <laughs> I did. I did major in, in, in musical theater and um, I stayed every summer because I was always in the theater shows there at the different theaters. And so, yeah, I do know the theater world there and it was very vibrant and I had a great time. And I also taught children's theater at a daycare uh, during the summers. But um, I was not into the music scene. I never would go see live music and I'm. Uh, yeah, I just miss out, or I, maybe I would have gotten to see all your talent, although you, you were there into, later. Yeah, <laughs> not that much later. You weren't into like harsh noise rock. It seems up your alley. Um, actually, my old my older brother got me really into uh, classic rock as a kid, and then when he uh, because I idol, you know, he was my idol. He also was into um, really heavy metal, like the um, what were they? The six six six, the number of the beast. Uh, what was that album? <laughs> Is that a name anyway, of a band? 
Iron it was Maiden. the uh, Iron Maiden. Yes, yes. I, took a, I took a stab. <laughs> so it's sort of like if you if you eat something gross every day, you you start to think it tastes good. And so I yeah, I got kind of got into <laughs> Iron Maiden in high school. But I think it was just that I looked up to my brother. <laughs> Do you have a back tattoo of the Iron Maiden? Uh, what's what's that guy's name? The, he's got uh, there's a little mascot for Iron Maiden. A little like skull. Guy, yeah. Little Again. Skull Psychic, Andy. You're literally <laughs> psychic. Yeah, it is my tramp stamp. <laughs> now, Jack, you grew up in what I assume is a tiny town in Ohio? Actually, I grew up in the star of the state, Columbus, Ohio, but in the suburbs. Oh, oh a suburb of Columbus. Okay. Yeah. I saw the name of a town and I just assumed it was just a farm. It was you <laughs> and a farm and your brother. Do you wait, wait, hold on. You've been to Ohio before, right? We've driven through it. Yeah, this doesn't mean driving through something is not being there. We drove through it on the way to Detroit from New York to Detroit. And we stopped at like a real truck stop Denny's. I think it was Denny's. I think it was a Friendly's, but it was not that at all. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Friendly, friendly. Well, the Friendly's near my house had a cigarette machine. So as kids, we could we could get cigarettes there because no one was checking our IDs. So that was good. (laughs) Was it one of the ones where you pull the thing? Yeah, yeah, you pull that 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 bar, and you, it's like you're playing a video game. And it goes kachunka, yeah, and then you just run away with it, and you know before someone notices, you're only fourteen. <laughs> what are you getting? Uh, Benson and Hedges? What's the? I, I was saying Marlboro Light 100s guy as a kid. We that, and then we'd sneak off to the to the little uh, stream in the woods and smoke them on a See, log. That's what I'm imagining: streams in the woods, yeah. little white boys in the woods on bicycles <laughs> by streams, finding bodies, finding bodies, finding oh, finding woods porn. I, I never found them? a body, but we found a, a bucket full of porn. And um, this, it, yeah, very strange, but a whole bucket of it. Hold and on, hold, um, on. hold on, sorry, hold on. I, I have to stop you. Oh, dear. A bucket, like a bucket no. you would you, put fish water. in or water. Yeah, yeah that yeah. like ch- like babies die in them because they go, oh, splashy water, and then they fall in. That. <laughs> <laughs> yep, those kind of buckets. Sorry, hold on. So, <laughs> my knowledge of magazines is that they are rectangular. Yeah. Were, were they sticking out the top or was it flattened, pushed and like kind of like folded as they were pushed? You've never seen a book in a You know what? That was not the aspect of finding the porn that really stuck out to me. I just remember it was it was a bucket and I saw my first blowjob and I thought based on the photo that a blowjob meant that maybe you like licked it and then blew on it. Cause that kind of just what it looked like, like the woman had it and like a was blowing like a, like a windmill, like a wind. Uh, what were those called? Pinwheel, a, a pinwheel or a yeah. birthday yes. candle uh, or a birthday candle. So for years, that's what I thought a blowjob must mean. And oh, I'm still not sure. I've never, I don't know. <laughs> I just know when I give them, people look at me funny. They're like, uh, there's other things we could do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is not your specialty. Um, did you ever live in Wait, New York? Hold on. Let's go what? back to the architecture. Oh my god. The architecture the bucket, the bucket architecture mm-hmm. of the magazine. Right. Now, can I ask you now, did you did you go right? We from found college? more porn uh when I was even younger. We we were driving in the car and um I was only about uh seven, I think. And my we saw that there was um just a bunch of interesting trash and there was a suitcase, uh, you know, like a man's briefcase and it was it had duct tape around it. And my siblings what? were like, Yeah, and they were like, Go go see what go get that, see what that is. And oh so they because I was the youngest, I had to jump out of the car and <laughs> grab this this briefcase with duct tape. And as soon as I did, this man came running out of his house and he's saying, Stop, stop. Ah! And I jump in the car, we drive 
drive away and it was all porn. Wait, and so that, you took it. So the man said, stop, yeah. but you just grabbed it. We and just sped off like Dukes of Hazard, And we were so excited to see what this was. And it was porn. It was like ma- the magazines were like we and cherry. And it lived in our attic as kids. And we would go up there and look at it. That's well, my coital briefcase. Stop. My coital <laughs> briefcase. But now, wait a minute. Who was driving? I don't recall that. Yeah. But I, don't, it, I was I, so I young. Que- by the way, well, no, I love our questions. Our questions are, what was the shape? Yeah. How did yeah. you know? <laughs> don't say ours. That was your question. Who, who was driving? Yeah, that's No, funny. because you said someone said, get out and get it. I assume it was not a parent. No, <laughs> you were seven. Right. It was like, my what mom. Sibling was like driving. <laughs> my dad was looking for new office supplies. No, I can't remember. It must have been a friend, a friend of my older sister or something. Okay. Yeah. Older, right. Okay. And you were the okay because I was like, right. who were you with? That was like, go get the porn. Oh, I yeah. bet there's a bunch of highlighters in there. I don't have to go to Staples <laughs> right. now. Stay, go yeah. <laughs> Paper clips. <laughs> Sorry, you were going to ask me about New York. Well, I was wondering if you ever went to New York or did you I just did go right because to I, college? Because I, mean, I graduated right. from a musical theater school uh, with a musical right. theater degree, I should say. I, I thought that my life was going to be musicals. And yeah. um, so I went right to New York and I did get into some musicals. My first one was actually an off-Broadway uh, show that was kind of a hit, but it was it was a beauty pageant and all the uh, women were played by men and it was hysterical. <laughs> and I was the only understudy for six pageant uh, queens. Oh, wow. And um yeah, I learned that's where I learned everything about drag because I'd never done it. And uh, but anyway, so I thought I was going to do that. And, I, and I, I remember I started um, doing comedy sketch uh, with my sketch partner, Seth Rudetsky. And I remember I was doing sketch during the day and then I was doing Grand Hotel at some dinner theater at night. And I was on stage in the chorus of Grand Hotel and I watching people eat spaghetti and watch the show. <laughs> and uh, I just realized in that moment, I, I'm happier doing comedy. And that was kind of a turning point for me. Hmm. Mm. Okay, okay. Now back to this briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> and then, by the way, that's the worst Coen Brothers film where they find a briefcase yeah. full of pornography. Like, as well, that, like that's dollars. the MacGuffin. So the whole movie, you're chasing after a suitcase of porn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then you came to comedy and then you were like, let's go to LA. Wait, what's the, hold on. Yeah, what's I'm the at, sketch oh. scene in New York? What, oh, what well, years are this? this is like mid 90s. This must have been 93 or maybe or uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. And uh, we were just performing at Don't Tell Mamas and um, we had a, an ongoing sketch show. And then eventually we we, we had our sketch show at uh, Caroline's right there in the heart of Times Square. That was a really <laughs> you just said that like a commercial Caroline's in the heart of Times Square. <laughs> Um, I feel as proud as that announcer was. That was really heaven to 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 get that to be invited to that space. And um, yeah, but then what happened was I was actually doing what ended up being my final musical down in um, Georgia, I think it was. And uh, I had already made my first television appearance. I was doing a recurring role on the early days of Late Night with Conan O'Brien. I was playing sort of a wacky character that would come on and be Mm -hmm. silly. Anyway, the writer of that put me in his pilot and uh, that brought me to LA um, and that pilot uh, changed my life because I got, you know, I got my agent, my manager and started my life here. And I remember as I was flying to LA, I heard people behind me a couple of rows talking about a self-help book. And I just remember thinking, wow, I'm headed, I'm headed home. Like I knew because <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm, you know, I'm really into that. And at the time, especially I was into it because I had grew up in a, in a um, sort of addicted to negative thinking because of the family I was raised in. And, and I was ready to, get control of my thoughts. And so mm. 
I remember feeling so good hearing that and just being like, okay, I think I'm going to find my family out here. Now, I'm I'm Jewish, as you're you. Shalom. So, <laughs> so negative thinking, I think that comes along with Judaism. In yes, way. in a way. At least post-Holocaust Judaism. Yes, oh boy. <laughs> or post, yeah. like, whatever the year Haman decided to, like, do his thing. <laughs> oh, back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been a while then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Maybe we're more neurotic. I'd, You know, I don't want to generalize, but sure, sure. <laughs> oh, and Andy generalizes on this podcast, okay? okay. We talk about the neuroses. He has told yeah. me. Also, he he tried to get away with telling me that Jewish people, quote, interrupt in conversation more. He told me it was cultural. I said, no, I think you're rude. <laughs> so, you know, he's out here just saying things. That, now, that is rude. Yeah. That is ver- <laughs> to say that, Naomi, very rude. But that no, may I also mean, be more Shana. of an East Coast thing. And because I'm an, I'm such an Ohio boy because we moved there when I was quite young and I never interrupt. So I think but I do agree. Certainly East Coast and, you know, Long Island. It's very. Yeah. It's a Jewish thing, but maybe it's also more just an East Coast thing. Yeah. Mm. So what's the the this uh, negative thing you were talking about in your family? Well, I think I think everyone uh, is is born with an ego uh, that kind of wants them to that fl- uh, fear uh, fear based sort of flight for survival type voice in your head that isn't really that helpful anymore. And but I you know I I really wasn't in control of of the the voice in my head that was saying you're not good enough or you need to do you need to impress these people. And so I had to figure out how to get control of that. And this the the secret came for me. You know I'd been studying some wonderful teachers like Marion Williamson and Louise Hay. But I was at a friend's um, dinner party and there was a psychic there and she used the term uh, release the need, release and destroy the need. And it changed my life because I finally had a way to talk to my my well, we, I call him my vulture. I moved that negative voice mm. outside my head and I imagine it like a vulture. That's OK. That's you know, what my therapist just told me to do. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, she well, wants that's... me to make it, put it outside. I said too soon. I've named her Leanne. We'll it's a, it's such an important thing to do because then you you stop a, um you stop self identifying with the negative voice, and you've now created the real you, the one who's listening. And now you can say what you need to say to your vulture to let it know you're not interested in that. That there's another way to see things. And the way you talk to your vulture, you have to understand the difference between want and need. That's what that psychic brought up. See, want is a good thing. You should want to have people like you, but need is fear-based and you don't get what you need. It causes anxiety and Mm -hmm. pressure. And also we don't know what's best for us. So want is good, need is bad. So when your vulture says you need to do a good job on this podcast today, I don't say, well, I will, because half of me thinks I won't and wants me to fail and will say, no, you won't. So what I, what I do is I say, I release, look, I want to do a good job, but I release and destroy my need to do a good job today. And your vulture goes, yeah, but you need... Wait, what? And then your vulture silent. And when your vulture silent, the pressure and anxiety roll off and you can shine your light. And that is so you really you get what you don't need. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I was, this is how I trained, uh, got my control of my thoughts. And then I was sort of without even realizing it, applying it to my acting. And then after uh, several years of that, I realized I had something to share. And so I began working with actors, helping them to approach acting in a sort of joyful and loving way. And I wrote this free book that's on my website. And, and, uh, if you're interested about, I call them actor affirmations. That's, uh, you know, I release Mm -hmm. and destroy my need to get this job, for instance, it's all there on my in my free book. 
Oh my God. Okay, so you've been out here trying to help people. Well, this is perfect for couple <gasps> therapy. Yes. We're gonna have to. Yeah, because I I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, my it's my hobby is helping people. I I just love it. You know. I've been... So wait, you're you're on this flight to Los Angeles. This is the first time you've ever been to Los Angeles before? No, I think at this point I had done the pilot, but now I was moving to LA. I think it was uh, something like that, but I'm not sure. It might have been. I can't remember. Yeah. You hear the the people talking about like. Yeah, and I was so into uh, so into self help at that time, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You just didn't hear people talking about it that much in the yeah. in the nineties. Uh, yeah, not right. openly. Yeah, right. no, it wasn't definitely like a conversation not. you would have in public. Yeah. But uh, boy, uh, people are talking about it now. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, I I said early on that like uh, in Pennsylvania at least, you didn't go to therapy unless you were ordered to by a court. <laughs> yes, <laughs> had to have gotten so really funny. bad for you to. to yeah. Do so I go like, to a therapist every 10 years. I It's been working out. Yeah, I feel like it's a, <laughs> a wonderful thing to help you get over those sort of humps. You know, I think every 10 years you do sort of go through a change or a... Wait, no, for real? You only go like at certain periods? It's kind of, it's like worked, yeah, when I, when I need it, I go. And boy, okay. did I need it when I turned 30. Boy, oh boy. And then, yeah, it kind of worked out that I went again every 10 years. Okay. For, a, for a period, I have friends who go all the time and yeah, they yeah. love it. I just wasn't interested in that. I go to get over things. And when I turned 50, I, I was in a really dark place. My vulture was letting, was, I was letting my vulture say some really mean things to me. And my, I, I met a wonderful therapist and he said, I'm going to rewire your brain. And it, within a month, I was back to Joy, and uh, he he okay, was really I need wonderful. A therapist. Okay, oh, you have to email me that name. You said rewire. That's all I'm wanting. I oh, happily, I'd love to will do it. <laughs> you know, they said it would change your DNA, and I keep hoping right. it's going to do something yeah. here in the old noggin. Right? Maybe the magnets in it will magnetize your brain. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I also highly recommend. I got a little bit into psychedelics lately, and I just think every human should be forced to do mushrooms at a certain age. You know, maybe when what? you turn thirty. You mean um, like the I micro think, dosing, or you mean like a full on let's have a trip? A full on dose, yeah. I, because I, yeah, I, I I highly recommend it for anyone there. Who's out there who's been thinking, oh, I'm curious about what that is. Do it. I mean, if you're young, it might, if you're not sure of who you are, uh, it's maybe you're not ready. But if you're of a certain age or you you have someone who you trust to sort of talk you through it, oh my good goodness, I just think it's you can you can skip years of therapy, I believe, because it immediately can <laughs> It immediately connects you to sort of the, the the truth, which is in my book that the truth is that we're all one and that God is a part of all of us and that, yeah, you're, you're good. You're enough. You are love. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be nauseous. Oh, <laughs> I'm afraid. Wait, wait. Those thoughts will make you nauseous or the mushroom will make you nauseous. Mushroom, I, oh, okay. I don't want to be physically nauseous. Oh, they, they well, mushrooms don't make you nauseous. You might be thinking of ayahuasca. Oh, oh. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought all of them were the same. That's the, oh, Give no. Me a tummy ache. <laughs> tummy ache. <laughs> my thing is like, I'm convinced that if I go into my brain, yeah. we're not coming out. I'm convinced I take mushrooms, there's going to be a split. I'm going to end up in a padded cell. It's the multiverse of madness up there. Yes, it's multiverse oh. of madness up here. That's well, what I'm worried about. But, you okay. know, again, I am a pessimist and I do believe that if the, the worst thing that could happen will likely happen to me in any well, given scenario. That's, so, I mean, how do you feel about marijuana? Are you worried that's going to make your I brain? Don't I don't use break it. In? Okay, but are you afraid it'll make your brain break in half? Because then that might be some Nancy Reagan shit you got going on from leftover, <laughs> leftover, so say no to drugs. And that that was always a, a fake thing just to keep poor people down. That's a bit. But, you know, mushrooms are completely natural. And 
but I'm not going to write. I'm only saying this to the people out there who might already be curious about it. And, and like, no, I'm just course. saying, I'm saying, try it. Yeah, because- of course you're a pusher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we took those dare classes. We know what you're trying to do to us. I'm not a chicken. You're a turkey. I have a good friend. I have a good friend who's now she's a TV writer and she she was part of a just say no to drugs theater troupe that would go to schools all around um, Chicago when she was younger. They were all doing drugs the whole time. <laughs> I just I just love that story. It's isn't that just anyway. Sorry. They're in the back doing eight balls. Is that a thing? I don't. Yeah, I think an eight balls a thing. <laughs> Andy, where do you hear these things? That's yeah. All I remember is uh, Nancy Reagan showing up on an episode of Different Strokes. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And uh, and uh, there were a bunch of magazines that taught blowjob techniques from and written by her from yes, the yes, sixties. <laughs> and she was sharing that with Arnold and uh, the gang. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Jack, you know, because we're going to answer people's like relationship questions, all kinds. Oh, I'm of ready. I have I have more than two cents to give people. <laughs> But I'm wondering now, what was your, you know, you talk about, again, quieting that vulture, finding like, oh, this is probably where I'm going to find my people. Was that the same kind of parallel journey when it came to romance? Romance. Well, I, I mean, I can give you my favorite advice I give to 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 people who are having trouble with a couple. But in terms of, of romance, Your maybe, own romance. well, I, I mean, I'm not I don't have any romance. Did you read something about me somewhere? <laughs> No, I mean, I was I, asking about your journey, like when you, like you get to Los Angeles, do you, you know start what? dating? You start dating? You like, you oh, dating? you're wanting to. Oh, I, of York? course. OK, we can talk about that. Shit. Yeah. OK, well, I gosh, I was such a romantic uh, as a kid. And like I was never it was never about the sex. I was like, can I hold hands with and we kiss? And like it was just very, all very romantic. And the, um, I so I was so wanting to find love. And I did date some people. um and then I completely fell in love with one guy, but it was long distance. And when he broke up with me, I think I cried for a year. Oh, um, no. But I think that I had some growing up to do. I think I, I kind of recently have looked back at some of my relationships and I see how maybe I was pushing people away. Uh, but um, I also grew up in a family that was my mom and dad were fucking miserable. And so I had to do a lot of work in therapy to realize that's not that doesn't have to be what my relationship would look like. Mm. But um, basically, I because, you know, growing up gay in high school and having no missing out on all the experiences that the straight kids were having, mm-hmm. that, that's heartbreaking. And um, and so I really when I turned 30, just wanted to have as much fun as I possibly could for the you know, because I was ready to enjoy my sexuality. And, and I did. And I had a lot of fun and it wasn't a, a total slut, but I was pretty dang sexually active. But I like to meet people in person. I, I'm glad I didn't grow up in the grinder times. And I, I mean, it was so 1950s when I was at the clubs <laughs> because you'd go up to a guy and you'd go, would you like to dance? You would literally would say that you go, do you want to dance? Which is what is more 1950s than that? <laughs> oh, my God. And so that was how I was, you know, and, and I just adored um having this sort of sexual power I hadn't had in my 20s I didn't get good looking as as, as, I should say as good looking as I how do I put it because I'm not saying I'm I'm just saying something came together when I turned 30 like my face came together yeah it went ka-chunk and then it was something (laughs) it was workable for some people is what I mean and so yeah anyway and you were confident then oh boy yeah yeah swag to go in places and 
you know, yes. actually say, put yourself out there. Would you like to go to the sock hop with me? Right. <laughs> I'd like to get malted. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. Going to Akbar and asking people to wear your Letterman jacket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Akbar. Good <laughs> Lord, so cramped. Oh, yeah. I, no, I, I know. Like, it's such a shame cramped. that it's. Yeah, right now I'm still not ready to go into super cramped airless spaces, but <laughs> yes. I have, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's weird. I know. Yeah. I know. But I do. Um, I love Akbar. I love the vibe there and the people. And, mm. Yeah. So what about like long-term relationships? Like, do you, have you had any? Do you, like, have you lived with a lover? No, I haven't. I'd love to try it. Uh, but I've never had, the longest was just like a year long. So that's my longest relationship. And um, I'm open to meeting people. Uh, I'd love to go on dates. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. And, and the thing was, I, I, it was so funny because I felt so ready right before COVID hit. I was like, <laughs> this is a year. I'm going to meet someone. And then I was in my apartment for a year and a half alone. Um, so that, so I'm, I'm sort of trying to, to pull that lawnmower thing and get my engine going again to put myself out there and, and, and date more now. Yeah. But no, I never had a long-term one. But will you do the apps now? You know, it's I just, they're so disheartening. Uh, yeah. I mean, not for some people. Some people love it and have a, I should say for me, the whole swiping right, swiping left and meeting people through a photo. I, I don't like it at all. And being that I'm I'm now over 50, it's like, you know, you're, you're off a lot of people's search engine, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know how I would, you know, I always thought a friend would, would help me find someone, but so far I have shitty friends. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Los Angeles listeners. Uh, uh, come on now. Jack's ready. <laughs> Jack's ready. Jack's ready. If you, yeah. if anyone who listens to this podcast is automatically cool. So that would be a good starting place. Okay, so good. yeah. Good. Good. Just okay. saying. Thank you. So how, how do they get it? <laughs> I just try to remember that there was a woman who had, I think four legs and, and and traveled in the circuses in the early 1800s, and she was married. So I just keep reminding myself, you know, if she can do it, <laughs> two of them right. didn't quite reach the ground. But right. They, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, so you, she had superfluous legs. It wasn't. She like must her. have. I, it's fast. She probably had a twin that she engulfed in the womb, and mm-hmm. then you know, that, I think that's why you have a hand sticking out of your back or whatnot. <laughs> I'm fascinated by yeah. that. No, I, I love parasitic twins too. Yeah, it's fascinating. Me too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say I love parasitic twins? <laughs> I will I only I I will uh, I I only do threesomes, so my partner is going to have to have a parasitic twin. <laughs> that's a must-have, and maybe that is maybe that stringent kind yeah, of that's requirement not on the search is what's engine. making it. Well, difficult. it should yeah. whittle my list down. It should make it easier to figure out who I want to date. That's true. Yeah. I I asked because what if what if the person was just like my hands are legs? Look at me, I'm in a freak show. Hey everyone, my hands are legs. I don't think it's that easy, especially in the 1800s. They had nothing else to do, so you better be freaky, okay? They don't want people who are yeah. just like I'm quirky. They need you full four legs, right? It was the equivalent of like NBC's must see TV. Exactly. Yes. They spent a nickel, and they want to yeah. see it. It yes, had to be yeah. Friends level. It had to be <laughs> Frasier level. Yeah, Frasier level freak show. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're not well. Um, Jack, wait, wait, wait Jack. Can I? I will ask one question. This is the only show busy question I will ask this entire episode. But you were on Jenny McCarthy's sketch show, right? Yeah, that. Yeah, early in my career. Yes. As a as a sketch nerd. Yeah. I watched because you, you had writers like Bob Odenkirk. 
John Benjamin, John Glazer. Mm-hmm. So I was very, yeah. I, I was a big fan. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm so so blown away by all the incredible stuff they've done, and I'm not surprised because they were great writers back then. And um, but uh, I really, you know, the actors and the writers. It wasn't like Saturday Night Live where where the actors and, and and the writers were working together. I wrote some sketches that very happily got on air, but uh, the writers would just write uh, separately, and then we'd get stuck in their sketches. I, 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 <laughs> Stuck is the wrong word, I think. But I am. Um, oh, I love it. I think I really I was heartbroken that it got uh, canceled because we were like, yeah, it was sad. She, I mean, it's because she got a sitcom that that flopped after one season. And, and so they ended something that I think I would love to think of all the incredible sketches I could have done that those incredible writers wrote. But it ended. So it was fun. There, I, w- I was not really into um, popular music at the time. And one of the things we did on that show was have a, a musical guest each week. And they were often very new. And when I think of the people they paraded in front of me, the incredible talent that I had no idea who they were. And they would literally, the cam- the guy behind the camera would remind us, because we had to sit there in the audience and watch it. They'd remind us, hey, can you like move your head like up and down so it looks like you're enjoying the music? But I didn't know any of the songs and I didn't know any of the artists. And they ended up being literally just the biggest artists of my of that time. Any, do you remember any of them who came um, well, uh, the, the problem is that for some reason, my brain will not take in any music from after 1987. <laughs> and so like, I, yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't want to embarrass myself to try to list them, but they were just mm-hmm. the biggest artists of that year. It was fucking yeah. MTV, man, you know, Mighty, yeah. Mighty and Boston. Jenny McCarthy was <laughs> Jenny McCarthy was so beautiful. And, and I've only met like a couple of people like this where you're, you know, you're right in front of them and you feel like that has to be like an illusion, like you're, you could maybe just pass your hand right through it. Like it was, she had just an otherworldly beauty and, and boy, was she fun and funny and, and, and um, silly. And, and, and I, yeah, but yeah, I lost touch with her. I don't, haven't talked to her since the show ended. You should ask her how she feels about vaccines. Yeah. That'll restart well, a conversation. You'd be like, that's a good oh conversation. Boy, that's yeah. a good conversation. You'd be like, hi, I haven't talked to you in 20 years. I have thoughts. And she'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I have to go. Jenny, you know what? That fucking Jenny. comedy set- Comedy Central canceled my cartoon drawn together too after uh, three oh, seasons, yeah. and we were we were the biggest show for eighteen to twenty like college age boys, and they canceled yeah. it, and that was that was heartbreaking. Fuck you, Comedy Central. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Shots fired Shots by Jack. Fired. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag fuck you, Comedy Central. <laughs> Until they bring drawn together back. Start the petition. We're going to start the posi- the change.org petition. Change.org. You know, yeah. because there's not enough going on right now. <laughs> we need so yeah, that's our energy. Look, at the end right, of this episode, yeah. we're going to find you a lover. We're going to get a petition <laughs> started. We're going to get drawn together back. <laughs> we have a lot to do. Well, I think we should take a break since we have so much to do. Stay tuned. We'll be black. We'll be black. <laughs> we'll be black. <laughs> One of us will well, be. Well, you'll be. Uh, but I think I'll probably just remain. Anyway. <laughs> You can say white, Jack. Okay. Yes. (laughs) We'll be back after this. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we're back with Jack Plotnick here to help you handle your scandal, okay? Jack already said he got more than two cents, okay? So you're about to get a quarter of information. Okay. This first one's going to – at first – Everyone's going to be like, oh, I don't know what to say this. But then you're going to hear the real question. I just want to put that out there. Okay. Uh, hey, Andy and Naomi. Uh, my name is Ian. I'm calling you from North Carolina. Um, so this is kind of a strange situation. I'm not really asking for advice. Uh, I'm calling because I know Andy has a history in academia I'm in academia and I'm in a situation where an advisor is moving locations and I have to decide about all of that stuff. And all of that is crazy. Um, I also am in a relationship. My, my partner, Jennifer is here. Say hi, Jennifer. Hi. Uh, she's lovely. I don't really need advice about her cause we're pretty cool. Uh, but we have this idea that in life, when you reach a certain level of prominence, your main job is to not lose your shit, right? So, like, my my main job right now is my boss says, we're, hey, we're leaving this university, and my main job is to not lose my shit and convince everybody below me that it's going to be okay, right? And, like... I imagine with you guys, you know, like you, you go into a pitch meeting and someone says something that's not funny or sexist or, you know, kind of uh, backward thinking. And your main job is not lose your shit and really morph it into a better opportunity for yourself. Uh, and I kind of want you guys to just talk about that on the show because I think it would be. Interesting. But you guys are cool. Your show is cool. Jen likes your show. Say, say how much you like it, Jen. I like it a lot. I, I, I like, uh, I make her listen to it while we're in the car. Uh, but love you guys. Have a good podcast. Oh, okay, is Jen okay? I'm worried Jen might be tied to a chair. That is a stoned individual. I know, right? I love No, that. no. You're, you're, you have a nice laid back voice. That's all I meant. But oh, just, no, yeah. I think he was high as a kite. Okay. <laughs> I I make no judgments about. But no, sometimes people call, because we have people who call, you know, when they're like, oh, I'm a little tipsy, I'm a little high. Because I think it takes a lot to just like call a stranger number, you know what I mean? And just was like, what 
whatever you got to do to loosen up. I'll do it, it sober. Any, give me any phone number. <laughs> I don't care what phone number it is. I will call sober. Ask for advice. <laughs> do it. That's my challenge. That's my TikTok challenge. Oh, just call the numbers yes. sober. <laughs> well, I, I feel like he was really just talking about what it, what is it to be an adult in the world? Because as a mm. kid, you know, you, you you first off, you don't have much power over other people and you can be excused for your lack of ability to control your emotions. Now, emotions, I always say feelings aren't facts. Every feeling is caused by a thought. And uh, so basically, you know, young people don't have any control of their thoughts and therefore their emotions. And that's okay. They're young, they're working it out. But as an adult in the world, especially if you want to take a position of power, you you do in my book, uh, really want to learn to control your thoughts because not only will it help your career, but it's how to keep the people around you. It's how to be someone people want to be around. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how did you get a hold of your, like, how did you, like, you know, you're in uh a pitch meeting and someone's like, eh, women aren't humans or whatever. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that was such there. a weird, what a weird situation. I'm so confused. Are we in his mind and what in your mind, are we in there to pitch a show? And you're saying that an executive says something rude or racist. Is that what you yeah, mean? It's happened before. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not like purposely, but like they've said stuff where I'm like, I'm like, I don't agree with that. And so I but just you're to, still in the meeting and but you you're still like in the meeting. Maintain. I can't like you keep yeah. your mouth shut. I mean, if they're, <laughs> I mean, the amount of money you make and, and the amount of, <laughs> if you get a TV show on the air and if you get a TV show on the air, you can make every third episode, a, a very special episode about <laughs> racism. So no, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't stop the pitch and say a third, I don't like your mouth, but uh, <laughs> obviously you wouldn't. But at the same time, there's a healthy way to have boundaries, but not in a pit. I mean, it's a, see, a pitch meeting is the one place you literally can't have a boundary and tell someone I don't agree with that because they're literally they're going, do you want a billion dollars? And you go, well, only if you don't talk like that. No, no one's going <laughs> to do that. But but at the same time, though, you know, you do talk about, you know, changing the way you think about yourself, this negative talk, while at the same time having a very long career in a business that is not here to make you feel good. It's <laughs> a constant kind of challenge to that idea of, I'm okay, I'm enough. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're going to do things that are constantly going to say, like, we just weren't feeling your face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I like- have... Yeah, I mean, I have I, the last chapter of my book is, is is called How to Have a Reality Where There's No Such Thing as Failure. And it's five concepts to understand so that I don't ever feel any kind of failure in my acting uh, because I because of these five concepts, which people can check out. And I, so I don't want to bore you. But, um, you know, I don't agree that Hollywood look, I, I, I'm a really nice person, a kind person. Yeah. And so I think I've I've have very luckily attracted that into my life. And I don't have an experience where Hollywood is fill, filled with awful people. Maybe they don't want to be around me. But um, <laughs> but I would just say that when it comes to people like, let's say that person saying something that is racist is a family member. I, I'd love to share with you how to my my uh, opinion about how to deal with that. And that is that you, 
if you have a family member who your relationship is rocky because you don't, uh, they're hurting you and somehow you, you do two things. And this changed my uh, relationship with my mom within a month because I, I had a terrible relationship with her and then it was perfect after a month of what? doing this. It's two things. Number one, and by the way, I didn't make this up. I, I got this from a source that I don't recall now, but it changed my life. <laughs> Number one, you tell yourself, I'm not going to try to change anything about that person, including their opinion of me. Hmm. But number but number two, and this is the big one, I'm going to have healthy boundaries. So it, I'm not going to try to change my aunt's racist views, and I'm not going to try to change her opinion about me, but I'm going to let her know next time she brings up something about race. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to... Um, I have to interrupt. Uh, I love you, but I will no longer talk about race with you. And so if you continue talking about that, I'm going to leave the room or I'm going to hang up the phone and we'll talk later. And, and, And when you do those two things, that your relationship with that person will be usually fixed quite quickly. And you'll find that they'll stop even wanting to talk about that. Because I think a part of them doesn't want to be picking on you, but you've allowed them to because you didn't have boundaries. How long did it take for your mother to, you said in a month, but like. She had never said she was proud of me. And she was always picking on me about my career. Uh, One month after I started saying, mom, I'm sorry, but I won't talk to you about my career. And by the way, when you first start this, she would scream at me and say, why won't you listen to me? And I deserve to be heard. And you just stay calm. And I would say, I love you. It's not about that. I just don't no longer want to, I don't want to, you know. You you can even say, when you talk about my career, it makes me feel bad. So I'm no longer going to, you can do that. You don't have to. Anyway, I literally think it was within a month. We never argued again. And she started, and within maybe five years, she was sending me cards that would say, I'm so proud of you. And I finally was able to create a relationship where she could say that. Mm -hmm. Uh Huh? Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, I have a video about that on my YouTube channel. I have some, I have mostly comedy videos because I love, <laughs> I love making people laugh and yeah. being silly characters. But I also have some videos about acting, about controlling your thoughts, and about this topic of how to how to heal a broken relationship. Mm. This is so like when I think like I'm drawing a boundary, I'm not doing it that. Yes, not I'm not that doing directly. it that explicitly. I'm just like. I'm like not responding and hoping that they get the picture, which yeah, does or not I move work. across the country. Yeah, which <laughs> does not work. <laughs> well, you know, there's no right way, but a, but a boundary, you know, the healthy way to communicate with someone is always to say, when you do this, it makes me feel this. Yeah. And then a boundary is usually best done by communicating it, but you don't have to. The, you, you, it's, and it's very important to have boundaries, healthy yeah. ones. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I think also for the caller, though, there's something, it's, there's the, metaphor or the analogy doesn't quite work because you know i i think this is more what i'm thinking of right for them so basically like their advisor is moving to a different university Mm -hmm. and that's who they've been working with so they have a choice do i start over with a new professor being my advisor Mm -hmm. or do i move with them to this new place and they're also talking about the other student grad students that 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 person is advising and I think they're trying to like have a brave face mm-hmm. for them. And mm-hmm. I, it makes me think back to like, we've talked about this on uh, episode 101. Wow. Of the show. <laughs> oh we talked about our first like television disaster where we made a show for true TV and it was just like a real disaster. And we were not the showrunners, but we were executive producers. So we had some kind of leadership position and we were kind oh, of yeah, running we the writers. We were kind of running the writer's room, and I think I did a poor job of – we wanted to protect them from the, like, 
all the bad shit that was raining down on our heads, like terrible notes and all these other kinds of things. And I don't think, and I think we should have been more explicit with them. Like you said, be explicit. This is what's happening. And this is, Oh, see, I thought it's because we let them in too much. Cause we were bitching and moaning. I don't, but I, I was like, you but, can't but, like but, bitch and moan. But this is what I'm saying. I don't think we should have bitch and moaned. I think we should have been explicit with saying, Hey, this is what's happening. And then I think we should have been better specifically me should have been better at not bitching and moaning in front of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. Like you be explicit with the other grad students about like, this kind of sucks and this, but you know, these are the choices. These are our options. And then, you know, go to like one of those, those bars where you can throw an ax or something like that. <laughs> yeah, do go home and else. yeah, beat up your couch. But I think showing a brave face is kind of goes along with the concept of fake it till you make it. It's like the this his advisor left. I mean, that's what happened. And you do need to trust that the things that are happening in your life are happening for your greatest good because it's happening. And so the other choice is to think, no, everything's going wrong, which only leads to depression and, and panic. And so I think- Wait, yeah, I'm sorry. You're telling me not to think that everything's going wrong? And that might be true? <laughs> Jack, I'm so confused. Like, you know, you're saying things and I'm like, I understand the words as a sentence, but That's to really funny. like, do you know what I mean? Like getting in. Let me, let me, let me put it to you this way. When I leave an audition where I've done badly and, and sometimes you have a bad audition, it's an art, not a science. I, when I leave that audition, I say thank you to the universe. Cause if I had booked that job, I would have died in a car crash on the way to the set. <laughs> I, I really do look at life this way because what's my other choice to beat myself up and then later that day when I have another audition I'm so busy beating myself up that I tank that one but if I if I leave that bad audition saying great thank you universe rejection is God's protection mm-hmm. and then later that day when I go to my next audition I'm in a great mood and I book it and that was the job I was meant to book and it's the concept that there is a higher plan unfolding for you for your greatest good and you know that because you're alive so many people are going to cross the street today and get hit by a bus and we didn't and that's fucking amazing yeah yeah yes yeah, especially in los angeles <laughs> we'll get hit by many a uh, many a bus many a prius <laughs> where everything is <laughs> like, lawless at best lawless driving yeah that is interesting because like you you say that i'm like well yeah you don't it is and there's an objective thing that happens right you don't get mm-hmm. the you don't get the part or whatever right yeah. that's the objective thing right and then yeah. it's up to you whether you want to see it in a good. It's it happened, right? You don't. That, yeah. the, that's the thing you don't have a choice about. Yeah. But you do have a choice about. See, this is the thing, though. I'm <laughs> gonna tell you this because my therapist keeps telling me the same kind of thing. It's your choice about how you feel about things, and I'm like, is it? Is it? <laughs> All right, my brain's feeding some kind of chemicals into my system. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I didn't get. To ch- I'm not telling my brain to like you know ruin me. Yeah, to drop some fear <laughs> juice into my veins. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, but it, it does take practice. It does take practice to yeah. choose a new thought that you're in the habit of choosing. But that voice in your head saying, oh, um, things have gone wrong. It, it, you may think that it's the truth because it popped into your head. But the truth is you, you put that thought there so many times that like a habit, it pops into your head and you can actually mm-hmm. choose a new thought by um, anyway, by, with practice. <laughs> no, yeah, because you're right, because you actually don't know why you didn't get the part, right? You, exactly. you think that you did badly at the audition, but maybe they're just like, I don't know, the the casting director's cousin wanted <laughs> exactly. to Exactly, yeah. You, that had nothing to do with your talent. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I heard a story. There was a storyboard for a commercial, and this girl thought she was going to get it. And then uh, and they kept calling her back, and she didn't get it. And it turns out we she found out that behind the scenes, the, the guy making the choice said, well, but on the storyboard, the girl has red hair. 
So it was just some complete oh, arbitrary oh. idiot going, oh, I thought we had to hire a redhead. So you really don't know what idiocy is happening behind the scenes. Right. So just, just trust it was not your fault because it usually right. isn't. Right. Yeah. But you yeah. put together a narrative based on the limited information you have. Yes. And, well, yes, and, yes. and then but depending that's... on whether you're a uh, optimist or a pessimist or whatever, somewhere in between, right. is how you color the, informa- well, the limited right. information. You're trying you to make meaning. And I think it's also this feeling of, what am I supposed to learn from this situation? And the idea of like learning a lesson implies you're stupid, stupid, stupid. And so then you're like, what do I get? And then it's like, some, but like, I think sometimes there isn't a lesson to be learned. Sometimes yeah. it just don't shake out. And it's, that's it. Like, it's no much more than that, that it didn't shake out. Absolutely. You know? Well, um, there, there's a there's a concept that you can't get someone to like you because they already like you or not like you based on their taste. So it's like if we were all ice cream, like if we were all peppermint uh, chocolate, uh, mint chocolate in an ice cream parlor, then a bunch of kids come in and one kid will be like, oh, my God, I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. And the other kid might say, oh, I hate mint chocolate chip ice cream. And during that mint chocolate chip ice cream is just like, well, I don't give a fuck. I'm mint chocolate chip. you know, like this is my flavor. Right, so right. the people who like you are your tribe and the ones who don't can really truly fuck off because you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to get them to like you and i think hollywood kind of runs on what the like middle school runs on which is yeah. nobody wants to sit at the lunch table of the needy kid who's like oh please like me please sit at my table you know but everyone wants to sit at the table the kid is like look i'm having a great time so we all are join us if you like yeah 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 i think that's why i didn't get bullied in high school oh uh-huh you were a confident kid. You were like, this is just well, me. I wasn't confident, but I had, uh, I gave off confidence because I was not self-aware enough. I had like, a, I had some self-awareness. So like I would do like nerdy things, but I wouldn't, uh, I would figure out the right context for the nerdy thing. And yeah. so I would not. So you made nerdy like cool. Cause yeah. Yeah. Because you weren't going and this should be embarrassing. You were going, this is awesome. And people right. just go, okay. Yeah. yeah all right. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. It's like, he's like loving it. Like by not nerdy, my... I mean like liking indie rock or something like being a pavement fan. And yeah. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Right. 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 It's the nineties. I'm into R and B. So <laughs> I'm into uh boys to men instead. You say it like you're saying a foreign language. Boys to men. <laughs> I also have a theory that just one or two assholes can just spoil an entire class of high school students. And I was so lucky because the classes around mine were real assholes to some of my older siblings. And my class was fucking awesome. And people knew, I'm sure people knew I was gay, but nobody picked on any of the gay kids in my class. So I, I also think it's part of that. It's a yeah. shame when, when some asshole kind of spoils the whole bucket of fish. Back, <laughs> the back to porn. bucket of porn, yeah. The bucket of porn. Some asshole spoils the whole bucket of porn. <laughs> well, that's what they say. That's the you know, yeah. One rotten we can spoil the bucket of porn. <laughs> one rotten cherry <laughs> ruins the whole bunch of porn. Is that the only uh, call we're taking? Well, this next one comes to us anonymous from Twitter. Okay. Hi, Naomi and Andy, and maybe guest for sure. Guest for sure. Uh, love the pod. I put it on at night to help with insomnia because it's entertaining enough that I'll actually lie down and comforting enough that when the sleep timer turns it off, I can drift off into slumber. Okay, I'm honored. Anyway, mm. I really need your help. My sibling and I haven't talked in a couple years. Mm. They were terrible to me, but I know they weren't in a good place and I'm willing to forgive in exchange for a genuine apology. But they keep trying to just jump back into things and ignore mm. the past. Mm-hmm. For example, inviting me to meet their partner or attend a big event as our first in-person interaction in years. 
I'm tempted to be like, we need to have a one-on-one conversation before moving into something like that. But they're a smart person, and I think it should be obvious Mm. that that would be necessary. So I'm left thinking that they just don't want to revisit it. I don't want to live the rest of our lives estranged, but I'm not willing to just ignore the past. Any thoughts or advice? Thank you so much, Anonymous. Mm. Jack, take it away, because I know me. Yes, I know. <laughs> you have no. thoughts. You had thoughts, I Jack. No, you have thoughts on that one. Well, I, I think that the person is. I think her, her this person's gut is correct that that they should ask for one on one before they jump into. And because it's important to the person, if if it wasn't important to this writer, then I'd say just go to a big event and then you can talk to them later. But I think she she they make a beautiful point when they say uh, I don't think it's appropriate for me it would send the wrong signal because however, whatever this person did was bad enough that I don't want to be part of that relationship again without an apology and an understanding that, 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 that hurt me deeply. So, but then what the writer says is, but I think they should be smart enough to know that to which I'd say not necessarily. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think you must write that email that's uh, or, or, or however you want to reach out to them and not, not do it because you figure they should have known it. That's, that's just a way to push, push away some growth that could actually be very nice in your life, um, reconnecting and getting that apology that you so richly deserve. So uh, that's, that's what I was to say. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I mean, because that's the thing is like, oh, they should know. And it's like, I am the queen of that. Like, I'm always like, you grown, get it together. And it's like, <laughs> quite honestly, you remember, this is the same person who did whatever they did to you when they were in a bad place. They obviously don't get it all the time. Or else you wouldn't even be in the situation where there was like the problem, right? So, and then you say like, I recognize, you know, they were in a bad place. Who knows? The sibling, your sibling could be telling themselves like, oh, well, they know that I was in a bad place. We don't have to talk about it. You know, like that could just be the thing. It's like, you know, and it's like, if, if what you need is the conversation, you need to tell them and don't hold it against them that they haven't initiated. Yeah. Or yeah. the person might be ashamed that they treated their sibling yeah. that way and doesn't want to bring it up because they are just flooded with embarrassment juice. Their brain. Yeah. yeah. I know that. Embarrassment, embarrassment juice. juice. Oh my God. I love that. That's all I drank in sixth grade. Um, <laughs> my body. I hate my body. No, but um, I, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, one important thing that I had to learn was that not everybody's brain worked like mine. And especially if there was ever a time to realize that it's now when like, Unfortunately, we're finding out a third of our country is fucking bonkers, you know, and like their brain (laughs) is completely different. They lack empathy. They don't have this and that. And so you can't just figure, oh, well, uh, if it was me, I would know that that I need to apologize because it's not you. And that person may not be as uh, developed in their brain as you. And you you need to ask for what you need, which is is to let them know, to let them hear you say this hurt me and I need an apology. But and don't hold it against them that they didn't think of it. Are are you? Um, you said you had siblings, right? Like you had your brother, mm-hmm. your sister. Were there yeah. just the three of you total? Uh, four, yeah, four. three boys and a girl. Yeah. And so then, are you like? Are they all living everywhere else? Are you the only one who left Ohio? What oh no, we ex- we ex- you know as I said, my mom and dad were miserable, and they stayed together for the kids. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> um, and the moment that they that I left for college, it was like they were like, "Good, we're done," and all the Plotniks exploded all over the country, and okay. they they chose separate sides of the continent. You know, so yeah, <laughs> we're we're all over. <laughs> but you're close. 
Oh, so close. Yeah. Yeah. My siblings and I, we, well, thank God I didn't have those kind of siblings that are like sit on your chest and do the typewriter on it, you know, or like give you, <laughs> give you Indian burns. Like we actually really, we didn't never got into that. And I really feel, and you know, maybe it's because my mom wanted us to be friends. So she spit one out every year for four <laughs> years, but uh, poor thing, but we all were very close. That's yeah. nice. That's mm-hmm. nice. I think, well, cause I, I guess what I'm asking too, because you know, it is really hard to accept that you could have grown up with somebody, meaning under the same roof, shared years of your lives, and they still don't get you. That's very isolating, right? Like, And I think that's probably why this caller is like, obviously they should know. And it's like, just because y'all are like related and like went through stuff, it does like, their brain may not have received the same, like may have received the information the same way or the experiences the same way. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Our couples therapist says that there's, I mean, this is very binary, but like in general, there's two kinds of people One, like vertical and horizontal. Right. And what is it that like horizontal people are like family oriented? Uh huh. Whereas horizontal people more like friends. Vertical. I thought vertical (laughs) was more like interior and like. No, this is about friends versus family. Oh, yes. yes, Who gets you more? Right. And if your family doesn't get you, your friends get you. You have a friend group that gets yes. you. Yes, yes, yes. And you yeah. and I are more like friend group people. Yeah. Our friends get us. Right. Whereas our family is puzzled at best. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I would say that um, while, while you should reach out to this person, nonetheless, everything they do is information. They're telling you about who they are now in their behavior. So I'm definitely not saying, uh, oh, uh, the fact that they that they would just invite you to a big group thing when they abused you as a kid. I think that's a vital thing for you to notice and to take in as information because you may not want this person in your life. But I would just say, don't end it there. Reach, you know, find out a little more information. But it's very painful to you know, I have friends who, whose families voted for Trump and I always tell them like that has to be the most painful thing to have a family member be that different from your your morals. And um, yeah, that, yeah, I agree. Awful. It's also tricky. prank them then prank your sibling. <laughs> Whoopee cushion doesn't have to I don't mean sit on their chest doesn't have to be elaborate <laughs> doesn't have to be like jackass just do a little like whoopee cushion a little put a little uh, a little Vaseline. <laughs> On something, on like a on, something? On, a, on a chair. I don't know. What, a, what are you saying? I'm not a prank person. Yeah, I don't you don't know, know pranks. pranks. You don't I know don't pranks. Know pranks. Okay, they say um like saran wrap on a toilet seat, yeah. so that you think it's like empty. Oh my off. god! <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> why do you guys? You say you're not prank people, but why do you know a thousand pranks? These are terrible. I Vaseline on a chair. Hold on, Vaseline on a chair cushion. would ruin that. I can't think of a chair that wouldn't be ruined from by that. <laughs> That's some poor behavior, Andy. Poor behavior. So some so some lunch meat into someone's chair. So it is. Yeah, so it rots and they're like, why why do I smell rotting lunch that meat? That is so much work. <laughs> I did so it. Wow, fascinating. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I'm also thinking about the saran wrap because then when you poop, you just immediately feel it sort of yep. hitting you back. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, I don't want to have a relationship with that poop. I just wanted it to be gone. <laughs> you wanted uh-huh. to be gone, but and then someone uh-huh. gets you. They get you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you, have, uh, do you have time for one more quick one? I love this. All right. Here we go. Hi, Andy and Naomi. Um, big fan of the pod. New time listener. Um, I do have a. Time-sensitive advice question coming to you guys. Um, so 
on Monday, um, I guess my now ex-boyfriend um, randomly decided to break up with me. Um, this is the second time that this has happened. He actually broke up with me last year, very reactive, same kind of behavior. Um, we ended up getting back together because he realized he was being rash and it was an issue that we could fix. Um, and ever since then, I've been trying to convince him to go to therapy because I think he has some trauma from when, um, from his past relationships and also from his childhood that I think is hindering him in being comfortable in relationships. Um, and I have not been able to convince him to go. Um, this time, his reason for breaking up with me is that his gut was telling him that he needed to be alone, but it makes me nervous because I don't think he's actually going to go to therapy to work on himself. I think he's just going to be alone and depressed and sitting at his computer for eternity. Um, the reason why it's time sensitive is because I'm supposed to be going to the beach with him and his family um, for Memorial Day weekend. Oh, my God. Um, I already put down about $700 to go, and he hasn't given me the money back. Oh. Um, so I'm kind of like, am I still going? Is it up in the air? I don't know what's happening. He hasn't contact me, contacted me since then. He kind of left very abruptly and was very emotional when he left on Monday night and, like, couldn't talk about it further. Um, so I'm wondering what I should do and if I should initiate contacting him or should he – should I wait for him to contact me? I'm just very confused as to what to do. Um, and should I help him get into therapy? I know Andy, um, Naomi helped you get into therapy, so I don't know how else to help him. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Bye. Well, number one, get your money back. Exactly. So you got $700. Get your money back. <laughs> number two, I went, Naomi helped me get into therapy because I wanted to go into yes, therapy. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. I'd reached a point in my life where I'm like, I'm not coping well with existence. I had to want to go in right. the first place. Right. She, I didn't oh, make you. She opened up the door. Yeah. I was like, me. here's a place with a si sliding scale. It was not <laughs> like, if you don't go, I'm leaving. Right. You know? There was no ultimatum. Yeah. Yeah, you can't make somebody do any of it. Um, Unlike Marvel Comics Ultimate Universe, there was no ultimatum. Thank you, folks. <laughs> I would say the only way to trick a, a loved one into going is directly <laughs> is to say, I really want to go to couples therapy just because I, I think it'll help us talk things out. And maybe having your partner meet a therapist and get to talk out his feelings it might make him go, oh, you know what? I like this therapist. I want to go by myself. So that's that's the only trick I know. But the problem is not it won't work in this situation because right. she, he's does. This is not the kind of situation where he he's really holding all the cards. It's very awkward. Yeah. 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 You know, I think that as 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 unpleasant as this is to hear, this is no longer your problem. Your only problem is getting your seven hundred dollars back. He has to go on his journey in his own time. And if his gut is telling him to be alone, whether you agree with that or not, or think that's the best call or not, that's what he wants to do for now. And I don't think, and when I say for now, I don't mean you wait for him to come around, but it's like, this is the process he's going through and you can't control it. And I think when you say like, should I reach out or should I, should I not? Yeah, I would reach out and go, hey, um, I don't, I'm I don't want to go to the beach with your, you and your parents now that we're not together and you want to be alone. So if you could just Venmo me or what I've spent or ask, hey, 
I'm gonna go. You don't go. <laughs> I'm gonna hang out with your parents. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You, you worked on home. yourself alone. Yeah, you want to be alone. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you started on that. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I you know I don't think that it's. Yeah, I don't like this is not, you know, again, this reaching out, we're suggesting this is not an emotional thing. Like, this is kind of the facts. Hey, I need my money back. Don't reach out to him like, I just want to see if you're doing well and yeah. like how I can help you because nope, 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 nope. He, that's not what he has said he wants. And mm. he seems to also be actively not into it because he's also now, this is twice he done this shit. And this goes back to the previous question when Jack was like, taking this information. What this person is doing is telling you something. <laughs> you leave him alone. You can't. Another thing Jack said, you can't change someone. You can't. You can just create a boundary. Healthy boundary. Get that money back and then the boundary goes up. <laughs> Lower it for money. <laughs> Lower it for it money. Yeah. Drawbridge goes down. Get that cash. Get paid, girl. <laughs> I say, I say this, knock on the ex's door, two in the morning. Yep. Pound on the door. Yep. Where's my money? Where's my fucking money? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll work. Yeah. And then put Vaseline on the handle. <laughs> yeah. And then saran wrap on the Vaseline. <laughs> so it's like slippery, slippery knob. Oh, that's a my good prank, God. right? Slippery knob. Yeah. No, I don't like it at all. Oh, that's my nickname in jail. <laughs> Jail. <laughs> uh, Naomi. Yes. <laughs> you looked at me. You looked at me with want in your eyes. Want? <laughs> Not me. Oh, should I? Should I leave? <laughs> it's be entering a new one, it's new portion bad. of your show. <sighs> oh yeah! At the end of every show, Naomi and I make out. <laughs> Force oh. the guest to watch. Yeah, you don't have to sit through the intro, but you, you have, have to, to sit through the outro. Yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes of making out. Okay, I'll I'll help. I, I'll blow on the camera because that's I think that's I still think that's how to help with sexual things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jack, what a delight! Jack, what a dang delight! Thank you. So oh, this much has for... been so wonderful to meet you two glorious, glorious people. I'm so happy that Tom got me in touch with you guys. Me too. I mean, you took a chance on two unknown kids who just been <laughs> stalking you on IG, and when Andy saw you wearing a Pittsburgh shirt. He literally, like, we were in the other room, and he I'm like, gasped. I have that shirt. No, but you gasped, and uh -huh. I go, what's wrong? <laughs> and you were like, look. <laughs> and it's like, Jack Blotnick's wearing a Pittsburgh the shirt. And so it really just, we were like, well, now we got to get him. We've been talking about it. Now we got to do it. Well, I had a ball. I had a ball, and I'd love to do it again. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys. We'll see, see you next time. time. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 